I can touch the particles of space, feel the matter shifting into place, floating through the darkness, call it grace, by your head and nod to the... This podcast may not be suitable for all racists, grandmothers, or otherwise, I don't know. I don't know, grandmothers, grandfathers, great uncles. Okay, cool. Racist fucks. Awesome. Well, hey, welcome to the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. Uh, I'm sitting down in the studio, the laboratory, with a couple awesome guests, which I'm really excited to talk to. And I've got Adam here next to me. Shalom, motherfuckers. But today I am joined by Kamali Sr. Yes. And Kamali, you are joining <laughs> You are joining us to talk a little bit about your activism work and what you do here in Seattle to help represent people. And then I've got Ash De Leon, right? Did I get it right? Ash Leon. Ash Leon. I did De Leon like it was from South from Africa. I'm the worst man. Uh, and you are a hip hop artist who just moved here from New York to Seattle, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and is a member of Safe. He's also a member of Safe, and you guys are good friends and activists doing activist shit. I like it. Um, safely, of course, right? Naturally. <laughs> so one thing I want to make very very clear here is uh, your organization is Safe in seattle no actually the i'll stop you right there it's standing against foreclosure and eviction that is the nonprofit. okay um and then the group itself is called seattle against foreclosure and eviction okay perfect seattle against foreclosure and eviction i said that just because i wanted our listeners yeah. to be like what save seattle in this yeah. podcast oh i mean maybe you know like it's a mindfuck <laughs> Shout out to Elizabeth uh, Isabel Kerner. Is it is, is that Elizabeth Campbell and Isabel Kerner? Shout them out. You okay. Know? All right. All right. Shout outs to both of them. And Ash, <laughs> what about you? Man? What's your background? <laughs> terrible. Man. Uh, so I, I I just moved here from New York City. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I make hip hop music, a lot of socio political rap. And when I'm not doing that, I guess you could say it's pretty abstract, pretty trippy weird sci-fi anime references all right those Perfect. are my thing i like it uh so we're gonna use one of your songs for the intro music right that's cool all right do we all get right. do we big get dipper style straight up oh, straight I up was gonna ask. We're, we're using big dipper style if we're, if i get a vote if i get a vote i brought you here nigga you go dance with the one that fucking brought you <laughs> we are fucking using big dipper style you got it you got it fuck out of here uh, well i'm really excited to have both of you in our laboratory slash studio uh to just kind of talk a little bit about your work. Uh, so Kamali, give us a little bit of an update, like a background update on you. Like, what Ooh. do you do? Um, well, I, I do three things. I'm a real Jamaican. I got three fucking jobs. Um, <laughs> like, I, I write, which is like what I dream about doing. I um, am the director of organizing for SAFE. Um, not Safe Seattle, obviously. Um, like shout outs to those guys, those fucking weirdos. Um, and I, I work at a, I work at a housing uh, uh, authority, uh, and I do resident services there. Okay. Um, and I would say basically it, right? I think. Okay. All the important Sweet. shit. What uh, what sort of thing are you writing? Um, well, actually, right now I'm writing something that's kind of relevant to what we're talking about on the podcast, but mainly uh, a cultural thing in Seattle. Um. Mainly about how, like, the likes of, like, Ari Hoffman, Saul Spatty, all those weird yeah. white-centric fucks are basically encouraging a culture of vigilantism against homeless people yeah. um, and how their rhetoric leads to violence and how, like, Cairo and Como fucking, like, use their really terrible right-wing, uh, <laughs> like, infrastructure to support that 
and it's just fucking gross. Are you suggesting that Seattle may not, in fact, be dying? Oh, oh, oh. And that's news to me. My nigga, I live here. <laughs> I mean, I go outside, the shit's still green. When the shit turned brown, then I'd be like, yeah, man, this shit's dead, bro. <laughs> so you're saying that right now you feel safe in Seattle? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. My, my, my fucking housing situation is fucking like tenuous at best. <laughs> like, I don't even know if I'm gonna be here next year, and that's actually the real <laughs> shit we're talking about. I think that's the story of a lot of people, though, yeah. right? It's like it's right. getting too expensive. It's too expensive to live here. It's too expensive to buy food here. It's too expensive to drive here. It's too it's expensive, so expensive to, do fucking to fucking leave here. You just gotta suffer. Yeah, this is this is a fucking pit of hell. Yeah. Win it, baby. That's the reality of it. Yeah. <laughs> Ash, what about you, man? What's your background in activism? Oh, my goodness. So it, I, it really starts with my grandparents. They were also musicians and civil rights activists. My grandfather was a Black Panther at one point in his lifetime. Wow. And then he decided to settle down and be a family man. Can't do both. Uh, and then the government happened right. anyway, so you right. couldn't be a Panther anymore. Um, and so that that was instilled in me, and I just do what I can to overlap my music and that side, which is why I came here to Seattle. I really liked what Kamali was doing and what he was writing about, and I said, I, I want to be a part of that. You know, I come from a city that's 67% black, so solidarity there is at an all-time high. It, it's the antithesis of Seattle where it's, what, 0.4% black? Yeah. yeah. So I can't, I can't let my guy do it by himself, you know? Yeah, it's funny because like I grew up in a city in Arizona, which is the same thing. It's it's even less than Seattle, as far as like black population. That's Tucson, right? And oh, shout out to Tucson, right? Moped shout out, shout out, shout out. <laughs> so two years, shout out my nigga Andres riding around with the strap. <laughs> well, it's it's it wasn't great though because growing up there, it was just there was actually a poverty of diversity. I felt like it was just. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly very dark skinned. I'm, I'm a little dark compared to like all the white people that I was friends with. And so it was interesting where like my white friends just had no idea how to talk about that kind of thing. And so it's cool to just like get a chance to listen to somebody like you who comes from a background of where you were trained about this. You know, this is something that was really neat. And me coming from a conservative evangelical Republican household where uh, diversity is crushed, like do not be different, fall in line. Sort of similar sort of uh leaping leapfrogging off of that um not a 67 percent black town where i grew up but it was um solid solid people of color population never really quite sure how to how to say that but we'll put it out there that my i think my high school is between 20 and 30 percent brazilian immigrant um so some documented some not and so actually that's why uh, i end up teaching in the schools that i've been teaching because I've taught at schools that were like that were that were pretty darn white, and even I mean in Seattle I taught at a school that was pretty darn white and felt weird. It just like wasn't home to me. Uh, so yeah, I I would say it's a bit of a culture shock here, but I got the opportunity to tour in Europe twice before awesome. moving here. So being in spaces where you're absolutely under white gaze where they are the majority and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it mm -hmm. that i mean so look when i went to europe i was also fuck that shit it's like i am a nigga in paris like the fucking song <laughs> <laughs> fuck all that shit i was just like white people just staring i was like you go stare and i'm still gonna be here i'm still gonna eat this yeah. crepe you know what i'm saying it's so, so funny too uh, because we we have a lot of privilege there as black americans that we don't have here 
it's yeah. it's it's weird. I, what, what do you but you, you but you still black though. Uh, because over there it's about nationality, so that American hegemony definitely comes first. Um, and then there's also a weird gaslighty game they like to play, uh, and we do it here in the states where they'll treat black Americans well in Western Europe, and they'll ignore black Europeans. Just like over here, uh, a black Brit might be more apt to get a role in Hollywood mm. playing a black American than a black American would. It's, it's a weird thing. It's really interesting that you guys are talking about kind of like this idea of being under the white gaze because I read your article, Kamali, on my president was already Donald Trump. And oh, yeah, man. 90s, 90s New York. Rudy Giuliani, baby. And it's ironic that this nigga's in the news right now and getting told on. This is <laughs> fucking great. I was like, where were you niggas in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> Holy fucking shit. Uh, can you elaborate on kind of like that idea, what you were trying to express there? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm from the Bronx. The Bronx is like one of those boroughs in New York that have like the really bad reputation. All the fucking movies talk about how terrible the Bronx is. Maybe Yankee I, fans. Uh, yeah. You know what? Fuck you. Okay, <laughs> you, you don't come. You don't come to the Bronx. You talking that shit? Uh, you keep feeling shut. Okay, I, I will never go to Boston. Boston is far too fucking racist oh, for me. Born and raised. Boston is way too fucking racist for me. Holy shit, Boston's racist. And it's like I feel like I like see like Boston movies and they just call me nigger just by virtue of like watching. <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna argue against that. Like, it's it's true. Have you seen The Departed? <laughs> Are you Sorry. a cop? <laughs> uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg was was pretty fine in that movie. Um, anyway, um, I'm from the Bronx. Like, I kind of grew up in like that weird cross section between like immigration and poverty. And, like, you know, people being unsure about their papers and, you know, that weird chatter around, like, all the shit that you take, like, you do, all the sacrifices you make to get, like, a green card. Um, my grandma was, like, lucky. She won a green card lottery. She came over here in the 60s. Wow. Like, after Jamaica got its independence from the British. And, like, she brought her kids over here. Um, my mom being one of those kids and, like, my uncles and the people I grew up with uh, being a part of that. And, like... I had an uncle that grew up like addicted to crack, you know, like, yeah. you know, and, and like when I was seeing that, a lot of that was <clears throat> me like kind of being young and not really understanding what was happening. But like, as I kind of I grew older, I understood what I was seeing as a child. I mean, like I could reflect that back in the, in the article, you know? And yeah. so a lot of that was just really about my childhood in America Growing up in these kind of conditions in a city like New York with someone like corrupt as Donald Trump, yeah. as we can see, you know, uh, uh, at, at the head of the city, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, so to piggyback off of that, you know, as a rapper, we, we know that New York is the Mecca, right? Yeah. The Bronx, mm -hmm. New York. So even before we were born, hip hop was born out of a disenfranchised borough, a place where... You had corrupt landlords that were setting buildings on fire. They're paying uh, drug addicts to, to set the buildings on fire to force people out. Early gentrification. So I, I feel where you're coming from. This, I mean, that's hip hop. That's what it right. came from. I mean, yeah, like, but it's just like a lot of that too is like the the immigrants, like the Puerto Ricans. People don't really like talk about uh, like the Caribbean and Puerto Rican influence on hip hop comes from that because a lot of the people who are telling those ghetto stories that we talk about, the shit that we see in the media. Right, it comes from somewhere, right, and that like those people's stories are like passed on, like so. It's like when I hear a rapper from New York rap about somebody doing crack or somebody in their family doing crack or any rapper really, 
talking about like somebody in their family doing crack. I understand what that is because like that is something I saw growing up. But I also know that there is a whole world beyond that, you know? Yeah. And like, and that's the perspective. As a kid, I'm just seeing it like, you know, my uncle does crack and that's the thing. And, you know, you tell somebody that they laugh at you. Like, but like, <laughs> I see why. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, yeah, like, but I mean, I'm talking about like fucking tough, you know, a homeless right. uncle that has nowhere to sleep in the winter, sleeping in a fucking boiler room in his fucking mom's house. I mean, this man, yeah. like, had everything when he came from the fucking old country. That's why yeah, Italians call it that. I'm gonna call it that. Like, uh, <laughs> and like, it, like oh, hold on. Like, uh, 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 but my uncle came over here, had his own business, like, was starting a family. Yeah. You know, all this shit happened and then fucking drugs, you know, drugs in the neighborhoods happen. And I mean, there were issues there. He had a lot of mental issues. My mom talks about it a lot growing up. He he was like always, he was kind of, you know, you know, they, like, they called him, you know, he wasn't right, you know. And so yeah. they they saw that in him, but it was never treated. He never had access to those resources to kind of like keep him away from something like like drugs, you know. Yeah. Um, and when he got addicted to drugs and his life fell apart, like... It wasn't like it wasn't like this immediate crash, right? It was like slow, steady decline. It was like he starts missing shit, starts coming around, starts showing up to jobs. People start calling for him. People are like, oh, this nigga owe me money. And you know, like it, it's the sad part of another story that's in the family too. Is like, um, my mother's other brother, his brother, sold drugs, right? Yeah. And when they came, when they came for him at the house, there was an option. It was like, you know, we, you, like, you let this nigga come out or we just gonna come in there in the house and we gonna get all of you. So it's like, you know, those are the kind of choices that people who live in those margins and those extremes are like forced to make, you know? And it's just like, I saw that as a kid. I absorbed that. I was in the environment where that happened, you know? And a lot of that environment was created by the culture of deregulation and like Rudy Giuliani's fucking terrible pro- like, politics, yeah. like the the great ancestor of broken windows policing. Oh yeah, you know, like he was like, he was part and parcel in developing that. And then when we see like gentrification happen, that blueprint is always followed. Oh know? yeah, oh yeah. So, so, Ashley wanted to say something. Really. He bodied that. I okay. was into that. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. Um, it's just interesting to to hear how much uh, it sounds like you know the bullshit policies of Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani seem to have ended up influencing you indirectly and kind of directly, and now he's influencing everybody's. Well, I think this is the thing that most people don't realize is that housing is inextricably linked to these kind of issues. You know, right. even here in Seattle, people don't realize that we had a racist planning uh, planner who was a Bartholomew who actually set up the city zoning mm-hmm. to push out people to protect white persons. Yeah, redlining was a real thing. It, it's not much better now. That shit no. is yeah. still popping. Like the, the housing authority place that I work for, literally we have 47 fucking properties and majority of those properties are in like traditionally redlined districts. There was a fucking campaign to rename the company and they played a riff off of uh, redlining uh, they call it greenlining, and the CEO oh made a God. fucking joke. Wow. So it's like th- that is that is the kind of culture like that we're like. These are the people that are supposed to save us, right? These supposed to be people. These supposed to be so, like supposed to be not Giuliani. It's people that are supposed to like help build the housing, and to some degree they do some good, but at what cost? You know, like just that small microaggression, that small idea that oh, I can say this and I'm doing good is gonna turn into something else that it already has turned into. Right. 
Yeah, it's wild. And that's the thing that people don't realize. It's like when the Civil Rights Act is first passed, that didn't guarantee fair housing for everybody. Nope. That wasn't until, what, four or five years later that actually it gets added in. Yeah. Uh, and even then, it's been wildly mismanaged and it's been wildly under-enforced and you don't get these kind of things. And so people don't realize that housing is inextricably linked to racism in the United States, without a doubt. Um, one thing that sort of stands out to me as we're probably going to be transitioning onto the housing day uh, talk in just a minute. Um, when I first moved here, I went to to my job interview, um, went and met with the principal at this, at this school. And first, one of the first things I asked him was simply like, what should I know coming in from, uh, to Seattle? I was living in Washington, DC, which has its own fair share of housing and I've seen the wire. Racist <laughs> I've seen oh, yeah. the wire. You don't got to tell me. I've seen the wire. I know. Ba- I know. That's Baltimore. <laughs> I, I'm just joking. That yeah. was really low key racist. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. But, but moving here and the first, like the fir- one of the first things that, that this principal told me was like the entire history of redlining and the entire history of how they districted the city so that certain folks couldn't live in certain places. Yeah. And it, I mean, it shocked me. I that no, wasn't. They're, they're they're still they're still doing that shit now. Uh, yeah. Like they're, they're, like what, what what's really interesting, and I'm sorry because this does affect housing and housing projects. Yeah, especially like the housing projects that are attached to transit. Um, and I really hate to like chill on this like, this this thirty dollar car tab thing. But <laughs> yeah. this, the I'm an initiative. The, oh, uh, fuck fuck that guy, and I hope yep. he goes to fucking jail for stealing money. That piece of shit. Um, yeah. anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know the fucking vibes. Um, like it, 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 it's the same thing that happened with Marta, which is kind of funny because Marta was actually supposed to come to Seattle, and then when it didn't come to Seattle, it went to uh, it went to fucking Atlanta. Uh, real quick and, for those who don't know, what's Marta? Uh, Marta, Marta is a, Marta. like a, it's Metro tra- Metro Atlanta like, Regional yeah, Transit uh, Authority. Yeah, yeah, See, I fuck it. I only know it's fucking Marta, bro. Sorry. Yeah, nah. you know, um, but. Like, they, white people fought the expansion of MARTA for the same reason why this guy is trying to fight for $30 car tabs. Yeah. yeah. I don't want the transit to expand, and I want to keep the fucking niggers in their part of town. Because if they fucking get access to these areas up here, they're going to nigger it up. And it's just like, that. that is the idea of this, this whole housing structure, especially in Seattle. The single... Yeah. Family zoning thing is literally meant to like promote the idea of the cis hat white patriarchal family that fucking shows up with their small box house in their lawn with their small variations, and it's supposed the city's supposed to be like that, and that's how they show the prosperity, you Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) Uh, No, so this is all interesting to me. I didn't actually experience or even really learn what gentrification was until I moved to New York City because Memphis is predominantly black however the way that redlining works down there what they do i call it the donut because they essentially force all of the the poor black people to live in the city right and then all of the white people that have the money they live outside of it yeah and they don't pay taxes and then everything just crumbles and yeah no but that was exactly the point right so suburban developments were originally meant to be white paradises that was the original idea and so it did exactly what it was intended to do. Yeah, it's bad in Memphis. There, uh, I will never forget. There were whole apartment complexes that they deliberately refused to collect trash from, and it got so bad it created an infestation that they couldn't get rid of. So they had to knock down the entire thing 
all those families were displaced. They didn't send them anywhere. They didn't do anything for them. Like, I mean, that, uh, this is uh, this the, is America. We have right. we have some of the cleanest like tap water in the country because Memphis is on top of aquifers, mm-hmm. and ah, they're so ridiculous. So the first thing they did, uh, some company they allowed to come in and uh, build. Uh, some some sort of machine equipment there, which is mm-hmm. bad. Uh, but also the the Coda and Keystone pipelines are yeah. supposed to run. What the fuck? All the yeah. way down through Memphis, and then that would through the. So there's actually a really good episode of a podcast named Nice Try that actually goes around this exact idea. So if anybody who is listening wants to, it's one I'd recommend. Uh, it's just called Levi Town and Concord Park. And those are two yeah. developments that people need to know about to really understand yeah. kind of the framework that we're coming from here. Um, yeah. I do want to pivot a little bit just to Seattle in general yeah. because uh, people like to think, people point to Seattle as being this like progressive bastion, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we just elected Shama Swant again, which is woo. I'm pretty excited oh, about that. Oh, man. Yeah. I have, like, we, I, I'll keep the hot takes for after we talk about the important shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think every activist has their th- problematic sides. Um, I think that's definitely the oh, case. No, I, it's, it's not about, it's not about Kashama. Um, I, I like, I want to go on record. Okay. I, I voted for Kashama. I like ride for Kashama. I think Kashama by herself is fucking great. Yeah. Okay. I do got beef with socialist alternative cause them niggas is weird, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I mean that aside, I, I do get that sense of the white liberal, like, Oh my God, we won the elections. Everything's yeah. it's like, no, the no. fight is just starting. It's like, you just got a fighter in the fucking ring. You yeah. know, the belt nice. hasn't even rung yet. One of the great things, like I went to her victory party just the other night and she made that exact point. It's just like, you know, it doesn't end here. Then she went on to endorse Bernie Sanders and, and talk see, about and how that's, that's why I fuck with her. See, see, she, yeah. she be knowing. She, mm-hmm. she knows what's up and, and that's exactly it is like people like to think that hey we won this one fight therefore the war is over and that's not the case so okay pivoting to seattle here um we did some interesting stuff here right uh you and i were just talking today on facebook yeah. about holla and that's uh, the oh man humane well, like, affordable like like, like, like holla see the thing is holla's a fucking joke and so real quick before you go on can you situate a lot of people don't even know what holla is that's the thing uh, uh like i all right I, i'm gonna I'm kind of blanking, so I'm gonna give the the basic rudiments of it. Basically, Hala is so motherfuckers like they upzone uh, uh, certain areas so they could build like more dense housing, right? Mm. Um, and that's what I knew it as, and that's when when I was talked to about it, it was you know, uh, yeah. it was that specifically, and even that I thought the scope what it wasn't enough. Um, it wasn't enough. Like, there's not, there's not going to be enough. They, they can't upzone enough areas and build enough housing to meet the crisis yeah. um, right now. And it's like we already have empty fucking units, luxury units, just sitting out. You know. Right. Yeah. And so the hollow was the housing affordability yeah. and living agenda. Uh, that was livability yeah. agenda that Mike O'Brien put together on the Seattle City Council in 2015, yeah. and that's what led to the MHA. Yeah. Right. So the whole goal of Hala was that they wanted to create this kind of like task force, as it were, to actually discuss what it is to have an affordable housing situation in Seattle and what would that look like. Um, and that was it. And I think your your criticism of it is spot on. It's just like. Yeah. No, it, it, it's because it's, um, it, it's interesting because a lot of these task force, a lot of these things are like brought up in Seattle to like make things better but very fucking seldom do they actually yeah mm-hmm. like the police department's still not in fucking line with the consent decree you know like <laughs> like, yeah. like like so what 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 trust i have that we're gonna actually sit here and tackle like the the housing issue and i feel like hala itself is a good gesture 
But um, ultimately, it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. And then people here are going to believe it is enough because it's like we did something. So why do you think it's not enough? Um, because you can't build denser housing that way. And it's actually still used the same way as I just mentioned about the housing authority. Yeah. Uh, it's used the same way. It's kind of used to kind of keep certain neighborhoods, certain housing developments in certain places, you know, um, Fort Lawton. I know everyone yeah, yeah. like knows about Fort Lawton. Like these fucking, I- I've been to Fort Lawton. It's a beautiful like patch of land. They, those white people did not fucking complain when they were building expensive ass fucking half million dollar fucking yeah. townhomes on that land. But as soon as someone says, I I want to, I, I want to actually build actual like housing to house people. They're like, Oh no, fuck that. We want another dog park. We want to, it should be a part of, <laughs> and it's just like, fuck those people. Like people are out here fucking dying. You don't want to see people in fucking tents, but you don't want to build houses. I mean, come right. on. Come on. So, so if Hala isn't enough, what do you think would be uh, either enough or would be a start to being enough? Well, start fucking using public land to develop affordable fucking housing. That's like the number, that's literally the number one thing that you can do. Like, I mean, I have my own personal po- like political takes yeah, yeah, on it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but something that's actionable, something that can like literally immediately be started like right now is that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like lease that land out to people who want to build affordable housing units and not for-profit developers. Yeah, this is one of the things I like about uh, politics and the kind of the direction it's moving, at least from the left. Uh, I don't think it's far enough left, but the idea that housing is a human right, right? Yeah. This is a great starting point. This is a great discussion point to actually get into. And this is, oddly, this was considered radical up until just like two years ago. You know, I think this is radical for fucking white people because black people have been saying this shit forever. I was, yeah, uh, yeah. I was about to say it's still <laughs> radical. I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, like, because a lot of people don't know about um, Angelo Herndon, who's like, who's a yeah. black, who's a black leftist in Atlanta who organized this community for rent relief where the city was like fucking kicking people out, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, a, a black man did that and they jailed him, you know, after that. They jailed him after that. So it's just like, you, like, black people have been saying this. Black people oh, have yeah. been saying that this, this, this fight for us to live places is actually a real thing. And I think for white people, it's now a, a, a cause because it's, yeah. it, it's in their fucking faces. We're in the mm-hmm. second Gilded Age, so it's like, now you see a motherfucker's intense, and you're like, oh shit, I think people need to have houses. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we were fucking telling you, like, you know, almost a fucking century ago, homie. You know? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And it's like my own family, we went through foreclosure when I was younger. Yeah. Like my dad lost his job, we lost our house, and that that kind of transition was just remarkable. And one of the things that's really important, people don't realize this, is the only reason my family didn't end up homeless, didn't have to move in without their family members or things like that, is because there was a government program in place at the time that enabled us to stay in our home for seven years. Wow. Yeah, yeah mortgage-free. That's the only reason my dad was able to actually get back on his feet. It's the only reason that we were able to get back into its place. So um, this is the thing. People oftentimes don't think about housing as an issue apart from people who are on drugs, right? It's just like yeah. mm-hmm. people do heroin or they're smoking crack or whatever it is, and that's the reason that they're hey, home. See, that's that's the thing I take very personally because I like I was going into my backstory about my like trademark crackhead uncle. Um, <laughs> like, crackhead shout, TM. Shout, shout, uh, shout out to Uncle Houghton. I love you. Uh, I hope you're doing great in Jamaica. Um, <laughs> like, 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 no bullshit. Like, you know what? For real, real shit, like, he, he's come he's come a long way and I mean it's been none of the systems help like he actually he had a green card he was actually legally supposed to be here they deported him 
uh, picking up and picking him up on some like drug related charges, yeah. you know, and that 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 shit that shit fucking just derailed his life. You yeah, know? the war on drugs. Um, that yeah. sucks. No, that's uh. so okay. So give me kind of like one thing I think is really important is that people kind of understand what is it actually? What does it look like? So when you're thinking about like what kind of like leads into this event, like who are the people that are affected? What are, what goes into this? What do you see? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I totally blanked. You got to run that back. No, 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 no. That's okay. All right. Run that, run, run that back. Uh, give me two. <laughs> give, give me two. <laughs> it's back up. So um, people tend to think about housing as just an issue that affects only drug users, right? People have made bad choices and therefore oh, the, it gets affected. The Republican shit. Uh, the shit that doesn't work. My grandma used to be on this shit. That's actually where I was going with that. Um, like it doesn't, it, it, it's never proven true. Um, like they, like you have these these people, these nimbies that are supposed to be leftists. They're like, they're proud liberals, and they say that shit, <laughs> but their politics are extremely fucking conservatives. Shout outs to Cairo Como, you conservative bastards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, um, like that idea that there isn't a core issue um, as to why people use drugs or get involved in substance abuse. Um, is that like ideology? They don't they don't believe in harm reduction because they're just like, well, survival of the fucking fittest. You fucking you do drugs, you junkie, you're gonna die. And yeah. you know, like that's why they fight small things. Like, oh yeah, like maybe we should make Narcan cheaper so less people die. And they're like, no, fuck that. They're junkies. They deserve that shit to be fucking expensive as fuck, yeah. so they can't afford it because they're fucking junkies because they're fucking poor already. So God forbid they have something that can save their life. You know? Right, right, right. Um, and so it's like that idea uh, uh, of of actually showing humanity is like kind of divorced from that line of thought, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that, that affects real people. My grandma thought that about my uncle, right? That's why she kept him in the fucking boiler, she, the boiler yeah. room. So you can't sleep in the house with the, with, the, with the regular people. And it wasn't she wasn't doing it to be cruel. It was already part of the culture. It's like yeah. that. That's like that that tough tough on crime. Frank Miller, mm -hmm. fucking you know. Dark Knight Returns. Oh, Gotham's going to shit. Like yeah. it's like <laughs> it, 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 it's it's literally that, and that that, that that was like the politics of the time. That tough love Reaganite kind of politics, and it just made shit worse. It's funny because it's like I think about that exact thing, and I've had friends who got kicked out by their parents. I've got yeah. I've had friends. I've known people who they turned out to be turned out to be. I mean, they were they were gay or they were yeah. LGBT or somewhere on in the myriad set of spectrum. Oh and Jesus! Just get rejected by their family, and suddenly they're homeless, right? Because they're like. You can't do that because this is a Christian house. Yeah, no, people like and, and see, and that's and that, that's what's the, that, that's the insidious part of this, right? Like people think that people's sexualities are like just choices they make, like the drug addiction thing. Yeah, like yeah. it's just a choice you make, and that's why you're you're fucked the fuck up. And I'm pretty sure um, any addict that told you that they had problems before they started using drugs and they started using drugs to escape those said problems um, were things that were easily fucking managed with community structures and with resources pointed in the right direction. Yeah. You know? So talk about your work that you're doing with SAFE, uh, Seattle Against Foreclosure and, and Eviction. Uh, I want to be clear um, about that. A lot of the work, all right, I'll give you a little background on SAFE. SAFE was ran by these fucking weird white people. They were kind of nice, <laughs> I guess. Sometimes they were fucking weirdos who wanted to use this nonprofit to go around and protest shit. Um, yeah, that sounds were, like they were, what they, a lot of them do. Yeah, so, they, sounds like the fake liberals in Seattle. Yeah, no, they they. I mean, the cadre of fake liberals, the liberalist of fake liberals ever. 
Um, it was basically these white fucking people who were afraid of losing their houses, so they founded a nonprofit to fucking complain about how unfair housing justice was, and people were getting evicted. So they started using people of color as props to fucking prop up their fucking movement, Oh, good. Right? And then they started to lose steam because there was drama. You know, um, I got involved as a volunteer, um, and then, like, I got voted in the leadership, um, and I took over the organization from these folks who were genuinely, genuinely just going around and doing direct action, which direct action has its place. Oh, yeah. Um, and I mean, a lot of people who will probably hear this and hear me talk about the old safe are going to be like, oh, backbiting. Fuck them. Fuck you. Okay, that's why <laughs> you're not. That's why you don't come to safe anymore. Um, but it's like that, that politic was harmful, right? Yeah. Cause they're not talking about root causes and not even trying to do cultural organizing. They're not even trying to talk to the people that it affects the most, the people who need to know, like they're not even putting into scope how bad the problem is. They're just saying, you're going to lose your house. You're going to get kicked out. We're going to stand in front of your house when the police come. We're like, where now, like that was all white people. That tactic works, right? Mm. The cops are not just going to fucking shoot you in the face. One of the fuckers. Yeah. Like, like, dove under a fucking ambulance. If it was my black ass, they'd have ran my ass over. So it's just like, <laughs> like, so, so, I, I mean, the unreality of what these people think is activism is what kind of caused the schism, you know. And after that, when I took over, I kind of pointed the direction towards the things that I was studying about building community. So, uh, for, for listeners out there who want to step up and make a change, how do you sort of work your way? up and and uh i guess give yourself that voice and and work towards giving yourself that power in the organization uh get get involved start fucking with people it's like sometimes shit's gonna be small sometimes it's not gonna look like much sometimes you know everybody in the room gonna be hungry you know but i mean show up show up for the fight i mean because it, it is your city yeah. i mean you do live here you do pay these fucking taxes yeah. you ride that goddamn train so um show up show up anywhere show up however you can and show up, but and don't do any harm to people. Mm. You know, show yeah. up, like show up and build community. And if you're not trying to build community, then you don't need to show up. You know, so you're on the ground, man. You're like yeah. on the front lines with this kind of shit. And so I'm just curious, like you're looking at say the MHA, which for people who don't know was a chance for developers to get out of taxes if they just appropriated three to five percent of the living units in their developments. Oh man, this shit. Oh, this fucking shit. And it's just like, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. Look at Seattle now. Like, yeah. people people swore this shit was going to do something. And it's just like, if I'm a fucking developer and I know that I could fucking charge fucking people $2,700 for a fucking studio, just because yeah. it looks like some shit on fucking Instagram. Like, if I could charge you that, like, and I'm going to make my money back on my investment and my fucking developing fees, like... Why the fuck would I not just pay the tax? Or why would I not just pay the fine? Mm. Because I don't have, like, like, 3%? 3%? So if you, you tell me this motherfucker builds 10 units, three of them, you're going to let poor people live in there. Three of them. Yeah. You're going to find the poorest motherfuckers you're going to let them live in there. And that's not, even that's bullshit. Because in Seattle, if you make up to $80,000, you can still apply for fucking public housing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's some bullshit. Like, that's a bullshit. So in a city like that, with that going on, what the fuck is that supposed to do? So you're suggesting that maybe the MHA hasn't been effective. Hasn't? <laughs> I mean, do you maybe. see people on the fucking street in tents? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't see any at all. I live up in Belltown. I'm in Ballard. Belltown is, Bell is definitely the way they be at. Yeah. I, I mean, I see homeless people fight for their dignity on that street. And, you know, sometimes, yeah. like, 
I might even go lie. I'd be out there with them. You know, like, I, I see people treat homeless people like that. And it's just like, my nigga, like, this could have been you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I worked in the homeless shelter when I first moved here for a little bit. Like, this this could have been you. Yeah. I worked in a women's transitional home. Like, while they're, and like, there are drug dealers selling drugs outside the building. Like, and it's like, it yeah. could have been you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's... I think that's one of the things that's really powerful. I remember one of the very first things my dad told me after we went through everything was just remember one thing and that is, but for the grace of God, there would I be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, that's uh, a really powerful sentiment because it reminds me to see myself in that person's shoes. Mm-hmm. And so it, yeah. I, I'm with you on that a hundred percent. I, uh, my cynical take is that I feel white people's greatest superpower is cognitive dissonance. And I do not feel that white people genuinely understand poverty, even when they're in it. Mm -hmm. Because to begin with, that's how racism and slavery started in this country. Remember originally white planters working alongside indentured servants. Mm -hmm. And when the bourgeois decided that was enough of that, they gave those white planters jobs as overseers, but they were still living just as badly as the slaves, and they didn't care. You know why? Because Lyndon Baines Johnson, right, baby. I was gonna pull that. Lyndon, pull up. Lyndon I, Baines Johnson, baby. All right, all right you want to hit that quote? You want to go for it? If you could convince the fucking lowest white man that he is good as the best black man, he will empty his fucking pockets for you, baby. Bars, bars, nigga, bars, 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 bars. bars. So <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not surprised when I hear these things about. Seattle because yeah. again mm-hmm. it's predominantly white oh, people yeah. are growing up seeing other people who look like them so they don't think about these things they don't I guess uh you're actually making me think of what uh what Kamali said before about my lovely hometown of Boston Seattle does a great job of also hiding it's it's pretty racist pretty recent history um because because you know as Jay said Seattle's kind of a liberal bastion or we got we got that perception Right. And yet and yet hidden just beneath the surface, there are the NIMBYs. They're just the, beneath the surface? Just, My nigga, they're out there like all like oh, like, like, like like without like fucking lizard skins. You know how people think that oh, like, yeah, Hillary yeah. Clinton's a fucking lizard? So, no, these niggas is out here. They they are among us. I love so all the signs all the signs <laughs> that I see in, in uh all the different neighborhoods, it's like hate has no place here or we love our Muslim neighbors or whatever. All the what what goes to my mind every time I see it is is we love our Muslim neighbors as long as they're not in our Muslim neighborhood or as long as they're not in our neighborhood. Mm. So, oh man, like I see white people on the fucking bus turn mm-hmm. up and start talking shit to people of color, being like, this is the most diverse zip code and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, see, this is where I want to punch your ass in the goddamn mouth. Because <laughs> it's just like, why, why would you say that to someone who's like, you know, you're arguing with for basic decency, like, oh, I stepped on your foot. I can't say excuse me. I have to give you a fucking lecture. Like, how white is that? You know. Yeah. I was eating. I was in Federal Way. I was at a Chinese restaurant. This old white woman walks in. I don't think anything of it. I'm mid conversation. She stops in front of me abruptly. She says, "Is that your real hair? Is that your real hair?" No. And I'm just looking <laughs> at her. I'm dumb. I don't know what to say. I've never. I've. I've experienced racism, microaggressions, but this was a new one. And then she goes. I just had to ask because I think you're so sexy. What? Oh. And I'm just like, oh. And then, and then like, she she says, "Am I am I making you uncomfortable? I, I, I've heard that I make people uncomfortable." It's just and like, yes, away. fuck. It's like, yes. What are you talking that about? That was my introduction to Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's I, yeah. No, I think you're right on target because I think this is one of the things that people don't realize is that the fetishization is also 
a racist act. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that's so weird. It's like you see you see white guys do this all the time with like Asian women. Oh, uh, okay, Scott. Why, 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 why guys do that with every woman? Let's keep it a whole stack bundle. Why dudes do that shit with fucking every woman? Hey, 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 hey. hey. It could be with, with every man too. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's well, yeah, no, like that's, across hey. the spectrum. Uh, yeah. uh, shout out to Egan Orion and his uh, Benetton baby. <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't mind. He, it could be, oh, no. be kind of black. Oh, no. You could be kind of black. You could be like three fifths black, you know? You can be three fifths anything. <laughs> You can you you gotta be three fifths black and then you you might be able to cross the Mason Dixon line and, 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 right. get, and get your fucking freedom. That guy was begging. E- I've never e- seen Egan, someone. Egan Orion, beg. shout outs to my man's. So hard. Shout, shout outs to my man's. I saw that. Shit. It's like y'all let this nigga run for city council, and it's just like and he almost won. I, uh, he look his fucking he cried he almost cried. I watched that video while I was fucking eating my cereal. I was like, "That's what your ass get." Like over here, took money from fucking bald head Lex Luthor looking ass Jeff Bezos and lost. <laughs> and still lost. How you sell yourself to the devil and still lose? It's just like, damn, you suck that bad. You're not and a good enough devil. I was like, damn. And then he blamed them for losing because they gave him money. Uh, uh, I, I, knew, I, I saw that shit fucking coming. I saw that shit. If I could come in a mile of goddamn way, I was like, you know what? That's fine. Jeff Bezos was like, I mean, I still wrote the check though. <laughs> and he still took it though. So. Oh, I was gonna ask. He took it, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. of course he did. So why? Is- pa- like, like, look, why do people out here be treating pack money like this shit is crack? They can't get enough of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> can't get enough uh, of that shit. So I think this brings us kind of like this interesting thought about like Nicholsville, right? And for people who don't know, Nicholsville is a it's a oh, small man. home community Whew. in Seattle where that, people that, can that, go live. Yeah, that's a that's a point of pain for me because even though these tiny like these tiny house villages, these little cottages that they build like to, to house these people are shown to like kind of create some sense of stability. Yeah, you got people like Safe Seattle, Neighborhood Safety Alliance, um, and oh, I, like the Burian Voice. Even like oh, you, have the, you, you have those you have those fucks running around talking about their like like oh my god these people are bringing crime and all this shit like to the city and that's not even fucking true like. Crime, yeah, yeah. crime is fucking. Re- I mean, from where we were at, like fucking last year, it's like my nigga, crime is like down seventy fucking percent. Like, right. you like, yeah. it's like if it's down seventy percent, why are you fucking? Why are you fucking afraid? Why are you like? They just don't want to. They don't want to see it. I don't. They don't want to see it. It's like, I, when I pull out of my driveway in the morning to go fucking take my big head ass fucking spoiled kid to fucking school, <laughs> I don't want to drive by Nicholsville. That's what it's about. Yeah, I don't want right. to drive by Nicholsville. Like, and that's like, literally it's about that. You're not even wrong. Sarah and I, we were at a democratic LD meeting, which anybody who has never been to their local legislative district meeting should absolutely go because you're in for a fucking trip. (laughs) And they were talking about extending the sound or the, the light rail down to Tacoma, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody actually asked this question and I swear to God on this one, she says, well, what if my kids are able to see the light rail? As if this is an actual the- concern. Yeah, no, like it, it, that's uh, sounds about white. Like <laughs> it, it, it's just like that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Like, and what, what white people don't realize is that when displacement, gentrification, all that shit starts, they, they they're the one, they're the sole engines of it. I don't care how mm. nice you are, I don't care how liberal you fucking are, I don't care how much you think you're doing a good thing by living around the niggas. You are <laughs> fucking causing harm. Like because once the white people come. 
then the police come. Once the police come, start arresting niggas, then fucking businesses come. Once the businesses come, then fucking more police come. And then your little by little, your neighborhood's disappearing because half the niggas locked up or fucking beaten, pushed out. The irony, the irony is that gentrification itself is a white construct. It yeah. started mm -hmm. in the 60s amongst white people, but then suddenly they don't know now. They're like, what? Like, I mean, don't even get me started on the corporate colonization aspect. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, it's kind of weird being on the, being on, I guess, technically the gentrifier side rather than the gentrified side. Um, but I lived in, the, the neighborhood I lived in in D.C. is called uh, Petworth. And Petworth hadn't been gentrified or it was like sort of they're they're doing sort of a managed. It sounds weird to say like a managed gentrification, sort of a sort of a like, urban renewal project. Well, it was like it was like a without without killing the character of the neighborhood, without displacing the original residents. Mm. Um, that was which means displacing them fucking quietly. And so yeah. no one can fucking see. Yep. And so they don't make enough noise. Mm -hmm. And of course, as soon as I as soon as I moved out there, as soon as I left, now it's getting you know white as fuck. So clearly, I should have stayed to keep the character. It's but yeah, it's, you should have. Man, real quick, a little side story. So uh, I bought a home in Kent because I'm one of the lucky millennials who actually got lucky enough to do it. And I went to they were talking about raising HOA dues, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me again? So I go to this event, and it was really funny because my neighbor is the HOA president. She fucking low-key calls me out in the middle of the meeting. She's like, well, my neighbor thinks that it's okay to let his yard look like it's a low-income housing community. And I fucking loved it because what happened next was just beautiful. There was just mm, chef's kiss and everything because there was two black women at the HOA meeting. Oh, <laughs> shit. She and, done fucked up now. You going to jail now. <laughs> both of them immediately shot up. Low-income housing ain't that fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, uh, uh, like, okay, especially right. not since y'all white asses be living in it. Like, <laughs> don't don't fucking don't don't overstep yourself because white people love to have this meme that like only like white black people are on welfare. Only 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 the blacks. We have oh, these. Yeah. We're only, and it's like no, most of the motherfuckers that take this shit are white, just like you. And so you talking about oh, you're talking about yourself. Like it, 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 it's this, it's this like classist perception always, right? Then like it's the entitlement that drives the shit. You mm -hmm. know, it's like oh, I I I pay money here, so therefore it has to be yeah. my way. You yeah, know? it was really sweet because then they nominated me to the board, so now I'm on the board. So that was really cool, and I hate uh, it. Yeah, oh, I don't want to be there, but. It's okay. Maybe I can do but, some good, but I won't be able to. Well, at least now if people are complaining about your yard, you have the power to like smack them upside the head, yeah. right? Well, Man. and they gave me a control of their money, so that was a mistake. <laughs> um, so anyway. That, that she does for everyone. <laughs> All right. So um, <laughs> on the on the Safe in Seattle website, you there was this idea that you wrote there. There were three different categories. I don't know if you did the site. Somebody did the site. Yeah, I, I, I did the site. Okay, all right. Which is changing, by the way. We're actually going to change our hyperlink. We, we, we are fucking rebranding. I'm trying to get away from Safe in Seattle. That shit sounds lame. Lame! Okay. So we're going to we're gonna do something else. Okay. But, all right. Well, here maybe we'll keep this idea. We can at least talk about it. So you wrote in there talking about community justice, and you broke yes. it up into three categories, yes. which was economic, social, and environmental. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Like uh, community justice is literally kind of the acts. All right. Now I'm going to get kind of philosophical and esoteric. Yeah, please do. You know? 
I mean, don't be fooled. I don't have no fucking degree. I just read a lot. Um, <laughs> like, like community justice is the process of decolonization, right? It is breaking down that system of how that community is run and then fucking rebuilding it to the needs of that community, right? So, for example, we got all these people living by the Duwamish right now yeah. that mm-hmm. are at higher risk for fucking cancer, all kinds of, like, illnesses related to the fucking toxic- like, the toxicity of their environment, Right, they live in an eco fucking societal environment. Mm-hmm. So, it's like community justice for that means you either move those people to a community where they can have a higher quality of life, or you go down and you handle your fucking pollution because all you motherfuckers dump shit in that fucking water. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that's what community justice is about, and that it, that it happens in like those three little blocks, right? Like economic justice is part of like it's partially the most important because it's how you fund the projects, how the community is funded, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm not I, I'm not on my eat the rich shit yet, but it's just like there are yeah. fucking there are there are fucking districts that got more fucking tax money than they need, and they got they, they got a little less potholes than everywhere else, and they need to come up off that cash and fucking help these districts that are fucking in these dire straits. Right, like shoving fucking people of color and black people next to industrial districts and constricted ass places that don't reach fucking transit that well is what we're talking. That's an act of colonization. That is stay in your fucking place, right? And you you take colonization in Africa, same thing, right? China, what China's doing in Africa right now is the same thing that these developers are doing to our communities, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're going there and saying we're gonna extract your labor your best minds, your fucking resources, and then we're going to fucking charge you to do it. Yeah. And then when we, when you do that, when you bring all that shit together, right, we're going to make it so you live in the worst parts of it. Yeah. Like, that is how colonization works, and that's exactly what is happening in our cities with the people who live in the quote-unquote poor or up-and-coming, I should say, neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, my students last year, I think it was last year, they were working with the Green Duwamish Valley Corp, yeah. um, which a bunch of bunch of youths who are doing, among other things, they're they're doing environmental work down there and community building yeah. work. Um, have you heard of them? I have not. I have not. Um, I'm de- I'm definitely like out of the loop on like kids program stuff. Like yeah. I, I did that for a little bit um, with with New Futures, and, and that, uh, this is a great experience. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes to that. And I actually see some of the students that I would teach, like, kind of, like, out in the community. And that makes me proud. So, like, just to know that there's a group like that. Yeah. Shout out to Faith and Vanessa, who have been, uh, and Shout ZZ, out. who have been working hard with them for about a year. They yeah. uh, they have an internship program, too, for um, for young people. Oh, so. yeah. No, like, that. That's also, like, that's also part of, like, the community justice thing, right? It's, like, mm-hmm. social justice. Like teaching kids how to interact in their communities, yeah, right, and then giving them the opportunity to do that, like that is extremely They're, important. It was like environmental stuff and also community building things. Like yeah. they were going and they did a they uh, did a mural down in um, uh, down in South Park as well. All sorts of yeah. really cool things, and I yeah. encourage everyone to check it out. So, one question we like to ask anybody who's involved in activism is just what was your most memorable experience? Um, and are we talking about like here in Seattle? Or like, no, 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 just in general. Like, Activism experience. Yeah, just in general. Um, so. I remember the first time uh, I saw a real, like, kind of like mass protest was in like the Occupy San Diego. <clears throat> I, I was out there around that time. Um, like, 
like Occupy was still out there. There were still like marches and rallies. And yeah. I like left the hospital to do some to do some shit. And I was in my uniform and I was like kind of like a bystander and I like watched I like people like kind of come together and like, you know, kind of push back the cops. Like I mean, it was cool to see them, you know, kind of like hold the line and then fucking cops are like, you know, trying to like pull people around and fucking break up the disorder, but it was it was inspiring to see that there was like camaraderie and like resilience there. People were actually willing to like fight for that, and I like wanted to find some version of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's a good story. I really like that. I, yeah. I think I remember the first time I went to a protest too, and it was just it's a humbling experience to actually get a chance to see people organize and care about each other enough to actually be out in the streets. I think yeah. that's powerful. Ash, what about you, man? You look like you had a story. You're just oh, like, this man, is it. Do I, this will probably be it for the rest of my life. Like there are others, but this one, this year, single-handedly taking on an entire pro Trump, pro Brexit protest mob <laughs> in London by myself with cameras, no one else there. The fuck? That, uh... that is my, that was my moment. Please tell us more. Oh, Viceland Shardy. Shout out. Hire my mans. Hire my mans right now. (laughs) All right. So I I was in London earlier this year. I was giving a lecture on queerness and white privilege in hip hop. Just totally there to mind my business and do my thing musically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I come out of a cafe. I notice there's a huge, huge mob of white people in the middle of the street. That can't be a good sign. Mm -hmm. I'm also noticing that the majority of them are holding the St. George's flag instead of the Union Jack. Uh-oh. So I'm like, this Uh-oh. also can't <laughs> oh, be a good shit. sign. <laughs> I turn to some of the Brits around me because they all have their phones out. So I ask, you know, what's going on? They don't know. They're just into their phones recording it. I spot a little old white lady with the U.S. flag draped on her back. and Oh, good. The sign of fascism. I'm an extrovert. I'll talk to anyone, right? So I, I have to know. I walk up to her. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. What is this? What's going on? She says, this is a pro-Brexit protest. And I'm just <laughs> oh my God. I'm, and I look at the flag and I look at her and she's like, oh, I have dual citizenship and I believe in democracy. So I'm like, oh, do you? It's like, uh, no, no, you don't. But, she's okay. really old. So then I ask her, <laughs> I, I'm like, so, well, Theresa May is out. So who do you want to replace her? And she says, I don't care. Whoever wants it the hardest. And I'm like, wow. Oh. The, the fate of your entire country, just that easy. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to mind my business. I have enough problems back home in America. This Brexit thing, y'all deal with it. Yeah. I decide to keep walking down the street and they just so happen to be marching in that direction. Oh, shit. They stop in front of a small building. I turn to someone else. I'm like, what's going on now? They say they're protesting Facebook. So now I'm excited. I ask, why are, you, I can get behind. why are you protesting Facebook? And they say, oh, well, because we're tired of them banning us and calling us racist because we're Brexit. And this uh, family from Sudan and something, something, something racist, I don't know, because out of the corner of my eye, I spot 20 red MAGA hats joining this oh, protest. Fuck. And I'm just... Now I'm I'm lost. So I turn to the police officer. And I say, "Excuse me, sir. Do I need a permit to protest here?" He says, "No. You can. It's your First Amendment right." I'm like, "Cool, cool, cool." So if I shout at them, will I be arrested? He says, "No, as long as you don't put your hands on anyone or disrupt traffic." So I start shouting, "Donald Trump is a racist." <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen Get Out, but oh my God. they yeah, all that. just at me. And then they start to approach me. Oh, there was God. like 70 of them. I got it on Facebook Live. So no, no, this is a true story. I think 
did you tune in? Come on, I don't I, know. I was, I was on that. I was, uh, on that. I was on that stream. So they, they they start to get in my face and press me, and they're like, "How is he a racist?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? And why are you asking me this? Why are you wearing that hat? You're British." And they're like, "What do you mean? Why are you bringing race into this? You're racist." And I'm like, "Well, I'll be a racist then." And they're like, "Well," and I it 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 was bad. It was really bad. Once they started tugging on me, I said some very profane things. And then eventually Naturally. the cops made them disperse, but they were, they were going to, somebody brought up world war two and I'm like, bro, y'all were getting bodied. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, it, 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 it's like, losers have no, no place in this conversation. Sir. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's not world war one. Y'all, y'all were doing I, fine. Like go home. Some, some lady, she was like, Donald Trump's done more for Afro-Americans than anyone. And I was just like, suck my black ass dick like that. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. Did you ask her when the last time somebody called someone an Afro American was? I said a lot of things I can't remember. I was I blacked. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we'll want to check out that video, man, because I want to see that. Uh, yeah, just, so just real quick to end, uh, Kamali. People want to know more about your organization. Where can they check that out? Um, right now, look up uh, Seattle Against Foreclosure and Eviction on Facebook. It will be a black uh, fucking logo with a this that says safe yeah uh for the knuckles and that's that's where you find us right now we're just like i said we're rebranding so right now we're just kind of posting about what's going on in the city um we are kind of working out more of our like programs our curriculum things that we're hoping to do in the community um and i mean that's that's pretty much it it's like we're, we're small we're small you know you know small fish large pond Okay. All right. So check out check out Seattle Against Foreclosure and Eviction yes, on, on Facebook. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, come say hi. There'll be a website update, and I'm sure we'll figure yeah. all that out. And Ash, uh, you make music. Where can they check you out? I do. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Ash Leon nine zero one. My music is available on all streaming platforms, and I am here in Seattle to help galvanize and amplify the voices of my comrades. That's why I wanted to come here and work with Kamali. That's what I mean when I say I overlap my music and activism. As a performing yeah. artist, I don't I don't even want to be the face. I just want to use my platform to push what individuals like Kamali have to say. All right. Well, you're going to come back and you're going to join us on the podcast. We'd love to know more about uh, queer and hip hop. Would- Absolutely. Uh, queerness and white privilege and hip hop. I also I identify yeah, as yeah. non-binary. So that, that's a whole thing within itself. And we we'll talk, talk about, about it. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk Let's about it. have you it. back on. All right, guys, make sure you listen in. Uh, we will have more and more guests coming on over the next month or two. So pay attention to it. We're taking a little bit of a detour from politics and li- talking to candidates. Thank God. And, uh, <laughs> oh and my God! What what candidates are you talking to though? Uh, we talked to Sean Scott. He was awesome. I fucking yeah. love Sean Scott. I love Germay. Like I'm glad yeah. Germay won. We, that, mm-hmm. that was, we interviewed Germay. That was yeah. that's Germay. my fucking guy. Shout outs to him. Shout yeah. outs to him. Fuck yeah. And then like, of course we interviewed Ari Hoffman. So if you haven't listened oh, to that, you can listen oh, to that. that was oh a my God. Ari Hoffman's a fucking joke. <laughs> like he, it, like if there was if there was an actual walking punchline, it would be Ari Hoffman and his politics. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the people going up against him, just a walking punch? Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess if if he was like, I don't know, I don't, he doesn't have enough balls to punch anybody. He just hides behind it. He's like, security, get this man out of here. <laughs> All right, yeah. out. Make sure get you out, throw him out. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you are not already. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. You can check out our website, betterleft.net. Otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. And Kamali, Ash, thanks for joining us. Thank you for yeah, having thanks us. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, thank you.
Oh man, that, what's that, your problem? I don't know. <laughs> Derek Trump. Uh, Derek, Derek Trump. Trump. <laughs> he doesn't have balls. <laughs> I, he doesn't though. I guess they thought I was safe. If I was gone, they say that I'm a dangerous ape. Fuck these colorless bastards. They can slap on my knob. Three six to them all. With a blood tear, a club bump, hit a racist motherfucker, beat him to the floor. Am down, better let him know. I'm on my Django shit. You know what time it is. Watch what you say. It might get you whipped. Get a pass, you mad I'm glad. But what about the black 